I almost killed a woman and her child on a bicycle with a drone. I was at my in-law's house in Connecticut, suburban Connecticut, and I thought, this is a big backyard. I don't usually have this much space to fly. This is super safe. It's so much safer than when I fly in the city. I won't kill a woman and her child here. I won't kill anything here. And then I was flying, and what I forgot was that the reason we call them drones in part is because they have intelligence inside and they assist you in flying. You're not in full manual. There's a GPS. It's connected to a satellite, and that helps it to stay in position. But they live in like a total dead zone. I can't use my cell phone there. And I kept losing the signal without re- like really realizing that that was happening. It was kind of like going on and off the signal. It's like losing the signal to your iPhone or your Android phone, except for this thing's flying like 80 feet in the air. Yeah, like I noticed that, but I made the mistake of continuing to fly. And I went up. <clears throat> I was doing speed runs back and forth in the backyard, just like practicing different maneuvers. And um, then I was hovering at maybe like 20 or 30 feet and a big gust of wind came and pushed the drone towards the road, over the house and towards the road. And at that point, I should have gone straight up because if you go way up there, it doesn't matter where you are, you're not gonna hit anything. But instead, I tried to correct against the wind. But I had lost my orientation, and so when I pushed against the wind, I was actually going with the wind. So I doubled down on the problem, and then the drone went over the house and I couldn't see it. And then I freaked out, and I just killed the rotors and the drone fell out of the sky and crashed into the road. I heard that. I couldn't see it. So I made a lot of mistakes in a very short period of time. All that took, you know, a couple seconds. So then I ran around the house, and this woman was in the road, just looking back like she had seen a UFO fall out of the sky, and the drone was shattered in pieces on the road. She was on her bike with a kid in the back in a bike seat, and they were just sort of staring at the drone. And then they were looking at me, and I was trying to apologize and I I was just sort of like collecting the drone and apologizing and they were staring at me like I was an alien who had come out of the UFO and then they just biked away. Like she didn't want to touch, she didn't want to hear an apology from me, she didn't want anything to do with me. The whole situation was incomprehensible and I was terrified because I realized, you know, she was like 10, 15 feet in front of the drone. I don't know where she was when it came down, but obviously it could have hit her and then the bike could have fallen and then there was a kid on the bike. Then I realized that my son was also outside, and I had left him, and so I had to run and go find him because he'd been alone (laughs) for some time. But um, that was that was our future. (laughs) This is this is the future that we live in. Yeah. And welcome to the pilot episode of What's Tech. I am your host, Christopher Thomas, plant senior editor at TheVerge.com. It's a website about technology and culture. And today, drones. I am joined by my colleague, my friend, my uh, fellow Hearthstone player, uh, business editor, Ben Popper. How are you doing today? Well met, sir. Well, uh, for those who don't know, which is, I assume, the entire audience since this is the pilot episode, What's Tech is a show that answers that question. Uh, What is tech? Uh, Literally in the case of what makes anything tech. At at this point, it seems like everything's tech. But also, uh, what specifically works about the technology we have? What what is a drone? Uh, And that's kind of the big question of today's episode. What is a drone, and is it going to kill the women and children in my neighborhood? Uh, so let's start from the top. I I, I want to know what is 
a drone. Okay. I have an answer. It's extremely long. This will be edited <laughs> down into something pithy. Okay. So a drone is can be many different things, right? I mean, like, the word is very old, and it used to mean, like, an insect. Like, if Shakespeare was writing about a drone, he meant, like, a little bug, a gnat, a bee. Swatch, drone! Right. And obviously, uh, a drone can be, like, a sound, like, stop droning on, or, like, a whole genre of music that I detest, right? Drone music. That just goes on and on and on. Um, but then in... Uh, the 20th century, a drone was something that flew but without a person inside of it. So uh, during like World War One and World War Two, there were like these, you know, sort of self-guided like rockets that they would throw or shoot. And then they had like a little propeller and they would fly. Like, like, an, like a prototype of a missile or something. Terrifying you, paper airplanes that could explode. Yeah, a paper airplane full of mustard gas was a drone. And God. then... Uh, more recently, you know, they were these military aircraft flying, uh, fighting in the war on terror. That's how we came to recognize them, the Predator drone. Although in that case, really, somebody, again, is like flying it the whole time. They're just not sitting on it like a helicopter or an airplane. And then what happened was all of these smarts that were inside of a smartphone went inside of model aircraft and remote control helicopters, and they got really cool. It was much easier to fly. They could do all these things by themselves. And we started calling model aircraft, RC helicopters, drones. And now that word is really established. Like you go to CES, there's a whole, you know, section of things calling themselves drones. You watch Congress debating the safety of unmanned aerial systems. Like the Congress people are calling them drones. People get them for Christmas. They ask for a drone. That's that's strange to me because it seems like there are kind of three types of drones then. There's the military drone, there's the commercial drone, uh, and there's a the consumer drone. Yeah. But they are, can be wildly different things. Like when I picture uh, a military drone, I picture something that looks similar to a small plane. Uh, when I picture the drone that you would get for Christmas, it's like a, helico- a quadrocopter. Sure. So they're very different things, essentially. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could say like uh, uh, a car and a, you know, toy car and a remote control car are all a car, but they, you know, have different functions and different capabilities. I mean, I think the important thing to understand about a drone when we talk about it now, like the idea we're trying to convey is it's something that flies without a person in it and it has intelligence. Sure. Am I, am I wrong to think there's something kind of dangerous about the semantics of this? Because you mentioned an RC car versus a real car, right? Uh, and if all those things were just called car and we were having these large conversations about it, it could get a bit uh, messy. I mean, when I thought of drones uh, probably you know five years ago, I thought of something that killed people and sometimes innocent people. And it was a very controversial thing. Should we have drones uh, flying over Afghanistan? I don't think that the commercial drone industry was like the nefarious creation of the military drone industry to try. You know, it's not like they were like, it wasn't let's, intentional. let's make a toy version and then people will come to love drones and like we'll sell them on Christmas and like it'll it'll soften the image of the war on terror. You know, I think they developed just sort of in parallel because of certain technologies, you know. Um, But it is definitely true that if you were to say drone to somebody in the U.S. now, they're equally as likely to think of the toy as the killing machine. I think that's true, and maybe, you know, that does muddy the discussion of, you know, how we use drones in the war on terror. I would agree with that. 
let's talk policy. Talking about things that are exciting. Uh, what is it? Because I remember when there was all the controversy around uh, war drones, uh, the question was, you know, like, is this legal? Does this count as an act of war? What, what, what makes this different than someone in a vehicle killing someone? Sure. Uh, but then we have uh, commercial and, uh, and consumer policy, which from my understanding is next to non-existent on consumer. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you're coming up against the central issue, which is there isn't a person on board. So if there's a person in a helicopter, an airplane, we know, hey, that person is responsible at all times. They're in control of this machine, similar to driverless cars. We know that they work, but we don't want them because who's responsible when the driverless car, you know, hits somebody? Um, And so with the war on terror, what what was the central question we were asking? Does it make it easier to go kill people overseas if we don't have to put any of our people in danger? And is it, you know, what's the, what are the ethics of war by remote control? And so now what we have is the opportunity to create an entire new aviation industry to do things commercially, which are exciting, to do things on the consumer side, which are exciting. But we have to confront the same question of if nobody, if you can fly the drone out of your own sight easily, which you can do with these toys. They can go a mile away. And it's still in the air. It's still moving very fast. It's still making decisions. You know, who's responsible? How do we do that safely? How do we integrate that safely into the airspace? I mean, the real problem is that the FAA is the agency that should be regulating this, but they don't have the money or the size to create an entire new class of aircraft and monitor that. And so they were supposed to... They're supposed to give us new rules this year. They're mandated by Congress. 2015. This is the deadline. Give us new rules. And they're just sort of still sitting on their thumbs. Yeah. Well, it seems also like a much more difficult thing to enforce, right? Like when a plane or a helicopter takes off, you know. Like there's a place where people go to to take off their plane or take off their helicopter. Uh, If drones are going to be in everyone's backyard... Who's left to enforce that? The police? And then are the police working with the FAA? Like, it, it, it seems, like you said, it seems messy. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the, the, the beginning solutions, we can sort of take lessons from what we did with commercial airliners. Like, if you had said at the beginning of the 20th century, oh, we'll have 10,000 flights crisscrossing the nation every day, people would say, well, those planes will crash into each other. How would they ever avoid that and know what to do? And we learned how to do it, and we do it all the time. So... If every drone that was sold came with a transponder and, you know, when it launched, that sent out a clear message to everyone in the area, hey, I'm in the air, this is where I am, I know where you are, that's the kind of thing that you could draw on the knowledge of the FAA. But the genie's already out of the box, right? Like, we're selling tens of thousands of drones every month, and they don't have that technology. There is no standard. There are no rules about, you know, needing to be part of this system and communicate with other folks. And that means that the FAA can't really approve, can't really get going the prod- the big projects we want, like package delivery by Amazon and Google. And, the you know, the contention there is that if we don't do it this year, if we don't do it soon, they're just going to go overseas. Other countries are going to beat us to it. And the U.S. is not going to be the leader in drones the way we were the leader in the Internet, even though we came up with a lot of this technology and then we were pioneers like the regulatory framework here is much more restrictive than it is 
in Europe or Canada, for example. Yeah, well, that's what I want to ask you as someone who I think is an expert on the topic. Do you think the regulation that is likely to be put in place will do bad? Will it do good? Will it do harm? Will it? What does it look like? Or is there literally just no no idea of what this is going to be? Uh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I'm not in the, you know, just like with any agency in the government, um, it's tough to predict what they'll do. It's tough to predict what on what time frame and what all the interests are. <sighs> God, it's just so hard. I just don't know. I think that the FAA d- it wants to uh, bring sensible regulations to the table that allow people to safely fly as hobbyists just the way they're doing now, and begin to test out on the consumer. So we have like 11, I think. We have a number of test sites around the country, and a number of companies have been given permission, and they're already doing test flights. Just recently, a bunch of news organizations like CNN and the New York Times were given special license to go fly drones. So right there, let's just stop. Like Many, many news organizations flew drones this year at CES. Perhaps The Verge did. I don't remember. That was all technically illegal. But, of course, it happened, and it's not like the FAA is unaware of this. So everything is happening in this gray area right now. Again, I would say, like, Hollywood and TV studios are already using these drones out in the field without permission all the time. So it's not like we're not doing commerce with it all the time already. When you say that, you mean to get, like, high shots, like getting cityscape shots, getting things that used to cost tens of thousands of dollars to rent a helicopter to get. Right, or a crane. Sure. And could be dangerous if you have somebody hanging off the side of a helicopter with a camera. Yeah. Now you can do it with a drone. It's a huge advantage. You can repeat that shot 50 times instead of having the budget to do it once. Yeah. Um, and there's applications in firefighting, in search and rescue and farming we know could be really great. So you already mentioned CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, it happens in Las Vegas every year right after Christmas, a perfect time to schedule be, something. Be away from your family for oh, a week. God. <laughs> uh, but there were a ton of drones there. And I'm curious, based off what you saw, what does, I mean, what do drones look like, especially for the consumer in, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Um, so I had some really interesting conversations with people there. Right now, the consumer drone looks like a small one to three pound quadcopter that flies for 10 to 15 minutes that you control with a RC remote controller that looks like a joystick. In the future, the perfect consumer drone will be small enough to fit in your pocket. It will have battery that will last way more than 15 minutes, and you won't need to be a pilot. You'll take it out of your pocket and hit a button on your phone and it will go up and take a 360-degree selfie of you and your friends or follow you down a ski slope and then land and go back into your pocket. It'll be like a smartphone or a GoPro camera. That's like where the industry would love to be. The battery is the big holdup. You know, the battery doesn't improve the way chips and sensors do on Moore's Law. It doesn't always get smaller and more powerful every year. So flight takes a ton of battery. Like, a drone is much bigger than a smartphone, but the battery lasts way oh, a much more shorter amount of time because it has to fly around. Um, and so I actually had a really interesting discussion. Like maybe the perfect form factor for a drone is just a cover that goes on your smartphone with like four rotors. And then you want to like take a picture and you just hit a button and your phone like takes off and does it and then like lands and then like you're done. That you would have to trust that like it won't break your phone, which seems like a lot of 
putting a lot of faith in like a but people are already using cell selfie cover. sticks <laughs> it's like people are already walking around with four foot long steel poles that can drop at any moment from a right height. you know there's all kinds of really exciting applications but for the consumer what is a drone it's a flying camera that can do things uh at your command right now like the the command prompt for the drone is the joystick and that means you have to be the pilot and that kind of sucks because you'd rather just be the star of the film and the drone should do everything for you. So that's where people want to go. Yeah, that's interesting. And a little weird imagining walking around Disneyland with like the th- like slight buzz of thousands of drones following everyone. Yeah. As uh, disconcerting as it is to see like all these people on the Brooklyn Bridge with a selfie stick, you will, you will be like, oh, you just have a drone over your shoulder. No that, big deal. No big deal. You're a tourist. <laughs> Um, so one other thing I want to talk about, uh, in the recent Call of Duty, now it's, it's recent S, mm-hmm. Black Ops 2, uh, it featured a drone takeover of Los Angeles, uh, on a scale of unlikely to all of us being killed by drones taking over Los Angeles, uh, by like just some random dude who's like, hey, you know what? I know how to hack all these drones because apparently that's how it's going to work. Uh, what what are the odds? Hmm. Well, if we lived in a world where they were all connected to some central command because they had to communicate with the FAA, maybe you could deploy a virus that would take over all of them. But in today's world, it's impossible. They're just autonomous toys hanging out in your backyard doing dangerous things. Although, I guess... If you thought about, like, what you could do with a dozen drones, you you could do some really dangerous stuff. I mean, people just post videos all the time on YouTube. Hey, I flew my drone and landed on top of Cowboy Stadium. And it's like, okay, well, I didn't know you could just get up there, but what if you planted a bomb? So drones let us go places we could not previously access very easily. On the like scale of one to master hacker take over the universe, I'm going to say the chances are pretty slim, but I don't want to rule anything out. So you're saying it's more of a black hat than like a hack the planet? Yeah. Like I could see people, de- you know, using, well, for example, I know people have used drones to like deliver drugs to other people in jail. What? Like get over the fence and like drop off some like contraband. Like that, that shit happens. <laughs> you drop off like a key. That's what I want if I'm in jail. <laughs> Give me right. a key out of here. Right. That's apparently how jails work. There's just one. There's one It's key. like a house key. Yeah. And it's got like uh, an advertisement for like your fitness yeah. club on it. Yeah. So you can use them to do nefarious things, but you won't be using them to take over cities anytime soon. Well, and on that note, you can possibly take out someone that lives close to you, but likely not all of the western side of Los Angeles. You should be more worried about people spying on you and taking you out. Cool. Don't worry. I am now. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for joining me, Ben. Uh, This has been the first episode of What's Tech. If you enjoyed it, uh, do me a solid and go to the iTunes, uh, I guess, podcast spot. There's a thing that you can do there. You can rate podcast. And, you know, maybe you should give us five five out of five stars. Why not? Some nice words. It goes a long way to uh, getting word out about the show. And then we can make more episodes, hopefully more than just this episode you're listening to right now. Uh, Until next time, I am Chris Plant. I am joined by... Ben Popper. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.